So welcome back to another episode of the Coffee Bean of Life and in today's episode we're going to be talking about fitness and we have a very interesting guest with us from my old school actually so Miss Long could you just do a short intro of yourself? Hi Dr. Joe, thanks for having me on your show. It's my first podcast. Um, so my name is Miss Leong and I am a PE teacher at RI Year 5-6 side, that's the JC side and I've been at RI for four years now. Alright, so we're just going to start off with something that I noticed on your Instagram account. So like, whenever we post stories, I always see the hashtag like, movement is medicine a lot. So could you just start off by telling us a bit more about this phrase and how you came up with it? Okay, so you noticed that because that's the, that's how I bookend my stories actually. That's the, my first post of the day is usually something to do with my sister's dog, like playing or whatever it is, and then our hashtag movement is medicine. Um, and it, this phrase, I actually first heard about it from one of the 90 master trainers, this guy called Brian Nunez. It's one of his many catchphrases, but, but this one stuck. Um, aside from the fact that it's catchy, there's science behind this phrase, you know, that movement is medicine to support that movement or, or exercise improves physical and mental well-being. And, and therefore, you know, if you improve that, you will also reduce the health risks. So... I like the idea that you don't have to take pills or, or go to the doctor where actually movement solves a, a lot of these issues. Hmm. So do you feel like with modern life especially, like you know how like with COVID recently a lot of people have been working from home, they haven't really been going to office so they've been walking around less. Do you feel like it's like not moving around is just like a consequence of life nowadays or is there more things that we should be doing as like, just as people to ensure that we get our, like, daily 60 minutes of walking in or something? Um, yeah, it is a result of the lives that we, that, that, that we lead, especially the office workers, when there are a lot of these desk-bound people. They, I mean, they're so intent on work, right, and wanting to finish it and get it done that they forget that they need to move. And once they are done at the end of the day, they realise when you get up at 5 o'clock, like, wow, everything is tight, it might be aching, it might be hurting, and then you, you notice also they might take some time to, to stretch out all those joints. It's, it's really uh, because they don't take time to, to move about. Even short toilet breaks help. Mm, that's true. Like Flexibility is actually something that I want to talk about later because I feel like a lot of people focus on like the strength aspects or like the cardio when it comes to training, but they don't really talk about flexibility as much. But anyways, yeah. moving on to the next point, right? Like, what inspired you to go into a career related to, like, fitness and health? And, like, sort of post about fitness on, like, a daily basis on your Instagram account? Yeah, so the funny thing is I actually wanted to be a police officer when I was a kid. So teaching wasn't even in the cards. But, um, and then I had a, a stint about a year of really teaching before I went into uni. And that kind of sealed the deal that I, I wanted to go into teaching, um, also, when I was really teaching, I, I taught, I spent quite a bit of the time teaching English and Lit, and that told me, like, okay, I can't do that subject comedy because there's a ton of marking to do. So, I knew then that, okay, it's definitely going to be PE and something else, and that's how I came into teaching PE. Now, the, the other thing is, I, I, I just got my uh, personal trainer certification two years ago, really in COVID year, because, you know, the world came to a standstill and, and there was so much more time to do stuff. And I decided to take on this PT certification. Um, because, you know, when you teach PE, uh, 
we're teaching more of like games and games concepts. But personal training is the foundation of those games, actually how you move your fundamental movements, your functional movements. And actually being on this journey has been, um, of late has really expanded my, my knowledge of uh, fitness and health in general. Because, uh, you know, when I do the PT cert, there are, I need to maintain it. And so I need to do these things called uh, continuing education courses. Um, and not just from the courses, I've also been reading up a lot more. And, and as you may have seen in my stories, I, I'm currently reading a book called Why, Why We Sleep. And I've been posting some uh, pages on it, actually. So yeah, this, this whole fitness journey has, has been constantly learning really. Hmm. Okay, that's that's a really interesting point you mentioned about the constantly learning aspect of it. Like I feel like the government pushes a lot of the you know, like about how like we should be constantly learning, like lifelong learning. But I think the same thing also applies to fitness. Like I feel like a lot of people sort of forget that even if you don't have time, right? It's always something that you can do, like just do twenty push ups or go for a short walk and stuff. And what do you think? Like do you think there needs to be more done to encourage people to follow this like lifelong fitness attitude or do you think it's just more of people knowing the importance of it but not being able to find the time to do it um i think the government is actually trying to move in that direction because they recently announced how they want to have uh, one gp attached to one person right a, a general a doctor attached to each person and that and that gp is going to be in charge of that person's whole health, including his his fitness side. It's not just like the, the I mean, all of physical health, right, including fitness. And that doctor is supposed to be in the position to be able to recommend whether it's a, a, a health trainer or some other cause that they need to, their patients need to undertake in order to improve their well-being. So it is in the works and I, it might take a while to trickle down to us because it's starting with the seniors. Um, so that's something that the government is doing. But also, aside from that, I think we, we each need to recognize for ourselves that um, yeah, movement like is medicine, and it, it makes you feel good, right? After you finish a, a run, however easy or hard it was, you do feel good, and you're, you're, you're more energized after that. So when people realize that, I, I think... They, they know that yeah, exercise is good for them, and and hopefully it will spur them on to want to discover more or or at least move more often. Hmm. So like we're talking about just now, like the lack of time thing is something that a lot of people say they don't have exercise, and I guess it's sort of true, especially given like how busy the work life in Singapore is. And you know, you mentioned the feeling good after run thing, which I completely agree with. But like a lot of people also don't like the fact that when they're running itself, they feel like they're dying as some some people like to say or like they don't like or they don't enjoy the initial part of like getting started with a run so how do we work towards like reducing the problems associated with both of these things you know like not having enough time to exercise being the first one and like getting past initial friction or the discomfort when it comes to exercising okay so we'll deal with the the timing first right so the world health organization guidelines state that you uh, uh, an adult, something like 18 to 64 years of age, should put in 150 minutes of MVPA a week. MVPA standing for moderate to vigorous physical activity a week. Um, and for other benefits, actually they state 300 minutes, so twice that amount, 
right? But let's work with 150 minutes first, okay? Um, and these 150 minutes can mean anything from um, basketball to, to jogging to, to dancing, right? And break it down even a bit more. Let's say, for example, in school, a key lesson is 50 minutes, right? And if the class takes their time or if they're released late, they come down at least 10 minutes late, that's 40 minutes of, of work if they start on time. But we need to take into account, you know, the teachers going to give instructions. And when they finally go out to play, let's say, okay, you gain maybe 30 minutes of, of this MVPA during the lesson. And then they have two lessons a week, so that's 60 minutes. That means you, you've covered uh, almost half, and you will need maybe three other days of this same 30-minute block in order to work your way up to 150 minutes. Now let's say, you know, 30 minutes a day at one go is, is too much. There's, you don't have time for that, right? So you can even, you can break it up into even smaller bits in, in say, five to 10 minute blocks. Because there is no hard and fast rule about how you're gonna add up all these 30 minutes. It doesn't, nobody says that it has to be 30 minutes at a go to get the most benefits out of it. You can break it down to, into smaller bites. You can say like you wanna do it during before, before all meals. So you can do like 10, 15, 20 minutes before your meals and that, that all adds up to your 30 minutes and you just need to do it five times a week. Um, it's, this is increasingly more important because, I mean, if you recall your school life, it's, it's, it's really quite stressful and people, the students find it very hard to find time outside of PE lessons to, to dedicate to exercise. So if everyone, not just students, can break it down even further and, and plan when their five, 10 minutes a day is gonna come in. It would help in their, you know, amassing that 150 minutes that, that WHO is recommending, right? Um, so that's, that's the thing about time. Then the, the next thing that we were talking about was uh, running and how people just like, wow, totally die after a run maybe. Um, and actually running is really not my favorite thing, but I do it because I needed to play my game, right? I play basketball outside. So there's, there's actually this great podcast by um, a Nike trainer called Chris Bennett on, on this yeah, Nike Train podcast. Okay, where one of the things he says is to uh, stop the run even before you plan to. So say you want to do like one big loop around the canal or something like that. You run, sure, and then you just stop halfway. The idea is to, when you stop, you feel like you keep going, and that leaves a positive imprint on your mind on this running experience, like, hey, running doesn't feel so bad, because, you know, I feel like that was very short, and I could keep going, but, but don't, right? Because you want to leave feeling good about it. And then the other thing he, he says is to also go slow. Right? I think a lot of us, we we, we run super fast and, and hard, and then we're like, within two, three minutes, we're gassed out and uh, we have that ill feeling like we're gonna die, this is the worst run, this was terrible, and we don't wanna do it anymore. So his advice is actually to, to go slow, yeah, really, what is the, the rush, right? Um, and a final thing, I can't remember whether this is him or this is me, is that you, you can plan your route to be a bit more scenic. And scenic doesn't gardens by the bay, right? It can just be downstairs in your neighborhood, whether you're running on the road or, or the park, uh, 
go slow and then take time to observe your surroundings. It doesn't have to be, I mean, you don't have to be a, a five, six minute per kilometer pace. You can go a lot slower than that. And the point is just to be observant and mindful of your surroundings and, and just pay attention to what's around you rather than how hard you're pounding the pavement. So take your mind off of um, perhaps maybe how difficult this is feeling. And if it's feeling difficult, then, then go slow. And take in your surroundings so you're not too caught up in your performance, but rather what's around you. And actually, those are two really good points, especially, especially like the second one. Because like, I haven't really considered it like consciously, but I realized that one of the favorite things, one of the things that I enjoy about running is the fact that I'll just take a random route every time I go off a run. So there's always something new that I can see. And I feel like that really adds to like the fun of it because you're sort of exploring the neighborhood around you. Because before like I started running in JC, right, I realized that I actually knew very little about the place I was living in. I knew surprising little about what's around me. And I guess that's, that was a good way to like sort of break the initial discomfort when it came to running. Like just being able to explore. And on the point of like running slow, right, I remember like watching this video by a professional runner where he mentioned that the best way to start running is to like maintain sort of like a 150 BPM or something like heart rate because it's like low enough for you to be able to hold a conversation or something and that helps you really build your stamina. So is that like something that you would recommend as well? Like specifically being able to yeah, control so your heart rate? We mentioned MVPA, right? How how we know what is moderate to vigorous? And and the guidelines will tell you that it's actually 64 to 75% of your heart rate. Now, nobody's going to have time to calculate that on a run. So you're going to have to do that before a run. Um, and if you don't have time to do that, or if you've just forgotten that uh, it's 64 to 75% of my max heart rate, then we go by something called the rate of perceived exertion. So on a scale of, of 1 to 10, 1 being easy, if you're sitting, you're not doing much, to 10, you're like, it's, it's an all-out effort. MBPA falls something between um, 4 to about 6, where 4 is, you can probably not hold like a super long conversation with your friends, but maybe you can talk in phrases still. And then the tail end of that, with 6, you, you start speaking in single words, you don't really have the breath or want to such a conversation with your friends. So that's a, that is a good gauge. I'm, I'm not sure what 150 pieces a minute did you say? Yeah. Um, I did something about aerobic. Imagine, I think 150 beats per minute is, is quite fast a pace. So just the, the rate of perceived exertion gauged by can you hold the conversation still at this rate hmm. and then up a little bit more to such that your answers start coming in, in short phrases rather than super long, sophisticated, eloquent sentences, you know? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a good gosh, yeah. So like, we talked about exercise so far, but let's talk a bit more about like the misconceptions that people have when it comes to exercise and more import importantly, dieting. Like I've seen this like really good phrase where like people say that abs are built in the gym but revealed in the kitchen. So like how do people go about like avoiding these misconceptions like when it comes to exercise and dieting? I mean personally right, the most favorite one that I've heard for uh dieting right is that you, the type of food you eat matters. Like it's true that it matters for nutrition, but I feel like what people need like what a lot of people forget is that or need to keep in mind is that at the end of the day, right, when it comes to losing weight only your calories in and out matter. 
So like, what other misconceptions have you really seen? Mm, that exercise and dieting is hard, and and I think that's because people see things in the extremes. You know, it's it's either one or the other. There's no middle ground for them, so they think that it is hard. But we also need to remember that we're not training to be Olympians. Right? We just want to be able to live life a, a bit easier, you know, to be able to do stuff like, you know, when your friend asks you out for a game, you can't just immediately pick up your boots and go. Or something like, you know, if you see your bus coming and you, you want to be able to run for that, you want to be able to train for that sort of thing, right? Just to pick up and go. Not so much like yeah, Michael Phelps or uh, uh, Kobe Bryant, right? Um, and we need to be able to find something that, that fits into our schedule and and we know that we will do it. So enjoyment of exercise is, is, is also important. So it's it's not we we cannot we should not see things in the extremes. And the same applies to, to food, right? If for example we're we're meat lovers and we totally like hate vegetables, then my suggestion is to find something you don't mind eating, say a carrot stick, all right? And think about, can you include that in one meal of your day? Even if it's just one carrot stick, can you do that for one meal of your day? And then can you maintain that for, for a week or maybe two? And then after that, ask yourself if you can re increase it to, you know, either two carrot sticks, or can you increase having carrot sticks at two meals of the day? So break it down to, super small bite-sized pieces and then see how you can work it into your schedule. Because the thing is, it's important that if you want something, whether it's abs or it's, well actually it's both diet and exercise, you want to have your abs, right? Whatever it is that you want, break it down into small bite-sized pieces so that you can achieve, you can taste some success. You know, we're not going to wake up the next day and we're not going to get straight A's, right? We definitely have to work for it. So it's important to plan and schedule these things. Actually, like, leading on to a note, like, do you feel like a lot of people have the tendency to overcomplicate, like, how they approach exercise and nutrition? It sort of leaves them feeling more overwhelmed at the start. Yeah, there's, there's really a lot of information out there and we need to be able to, to do our homework and, uh, again, find something that we like. There's, there's a lot on social media, there's, there's also a lot out there, whether in person, right, what you, you figure out, what you see and experience for yourself. We need to be able to see all that and decide on just one or two things that you say, okay, this is something that I can do, this is something that I can commit to. Yeah, so we do need to do our homework. Hmm. So like, on the note, right, what do you think of like the 80-20 rule when it comes to like calories? Like, 80% of calories coming from like good sources, like healthy, unprocessed foods, and 20% coming from whatever you want, be it like desserts, uh, McDonald's, that kind of thing. I think it's... Um... It's not a matter of... Uh, a, a matter of, you know... I definitely need to stick to this this 80-20. So for example, if like we're talking about meals a week, right? That's maybe say three times a week and that's seven days a week, that's twenty-one meals. If you say eighty, twenty, that means you can have sixteen meals healthy and five meals not. Um, I think it's there as a guide, 
for you to, to, to make it sustainable for you. Can you take on a full-on vegetarian or, or, or keto or, or vegan plant-based diet when it is completely opposite of, of what you're doing currently? So it will, it will really make for a very miserable time if you're doing the complete opposite of, of what you're used to and what you, how you've been living your life. So what this 80-20 rule does is it gives some leeway for people who want to try and make a change, right? Uh, cheat days, if you will. But I would rather that they plan cheat meals than a cheat day because you don't want to be doing, you know, all this good work on, on Monday to Friday and then come the weekend, you completely like crash and binge and super overindulge in stuff that you, you like all the time. Because what happens is if you do that, Monday to Friday, you feel like you're suffering and then come the weekend, you can unleash, and that actually triggers you to eat even more of the unhealthier foods, more mm. than what you do normally already. So rather than your yeah, cheat days, think about cheat meals. Again, you know, spread it. If it's five meals a week, then spread it throughout the week rather than chunk all these five meals on the weekend and then go crazy. Mm. So like you sort of feel like it's better to be more like flexible and make small changes that are easy to stick to instead of trying to follow like some hard and fast like rule or something. Yes, for sure. And, and everybody mm. is different to figure out what works for them. Actually, I really like the idea of the fact that everyone's different. We'll get back to that later. But for now, the next point I want to talk about a bit more about is like injuries and moving forward from them. So like, I feel like especially for those in like sports or those just like not that well that don't understand like fitness as well, they may get injured in the process of trying to get fitter or they may get injured because of other completely unrelated reasons like accidents and so on. So like what's the best way for people to move forward after an injury? Because you know like a lot of the times right, a lot of exercise comes from a matter of discipline, like building up good habits and then like an injury can completely just wreck your habits and stuff. So like how do you build back up after that? Uh, I think this taps into mental well-being and, and uh, a lot of it has been made very visible these few years because many top athletes have been opening up and, and talking about it. Uh, some have it easier, some have it harder. Uh, like I said, just now we are very all wired differently. So this immense stress and, and perhaps depression that you might face after you know you, you've trained so hard and then you you've fallen and you like your fitness goes back to zero. It can be very hard to come out under from. And uh, it's, it's, it's hard for me to say because I've not personally suffered from anything so major, but from, from reading and from talking to people who have or talking to people who work with such individuals, uh, I find that one thing that people can, can work on is self-talk. Uh, very often we are very unkind when it comes to ourselves. The things that we think or say about ourselves can often be more harsh than what other people think of us and say of us. So we need to be able to tell ourselves that this is a, a minor setback. We are also worthy that we are allowed to take time out and we just need to spend this time recuperating so that we can come back stronger. Huh? Because if, if all we think about is all these negative things, then there's this danger really of, of self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, like something that you keep repeating yourself and you, it becomes true, like you make it come true, right? Um, 
So if, if a thought comes or if something passes to come in, it, we need to pause and think and ask ourselves, is this statement true? Is this thought true? Right? And if we cannot answer that objectively, then this is where the second part comes in, right? In addition to self-talk, you need to be able to have a supportive circle of family and friends who will be there for you, who, who, are, who surround you regardless of what happens. And they, they, are, they are always there in your corner. So when you are down, these are some of the first few people that you turn to that can encourage you and bring you back up. And not just bring you back up. I think sometimes we need to, we need the rebuke also. Sometimes we do need tough love. And these are the same people who will come and stand in your corner and, and give it to you because they know that that is what you need right now. Mm, that is actually a really good point because like so far we've really been looking at physical health in a vacuum but it's easy to forget like how closely linked physical and mental health are and like the importance of maintaining like a good like mental health for yourself while exercising is also really important especially if you're someone that's like looking to improve yourself you know like at the start it can be really difficult because you have all these like self-doubts and stuff and it's something that I faced at the start of my own fitness journey in JC because I used to be more on the chubby side and JC was when I really wanted to like change that and honestly the style was like the style is usually the hardest part because you're at like your weakest and stuff so it's important then to have like a good support system and to really motivate yourself above anything else and like set reasonable goals and all that and that, yeah that's a very good point I really agree with what you have said so far so like moving on to like the every person is different part again like just let's say you mentioned that you don't really like running and I'm sure that a lot of people listening to this right now will agree with you with the deep burning hatred for running but like, do you think it's best for people to just stick to forms of cardio that they like, or are there like certain exercises like running that everyone should include in their like weekly routine to like maximize their health or like gains or whatever? Uh, no, because <laughs> it is very important to enjoy what you what you choose to do, whether it is cardio or some other form of, of exercise or fitness that you decide. Especially if you are not training for a specific event, like uh, something as simple as a 3K or a 5K run even. There's no harm in sticking to swimming or cycling or even rowing if that's your thing for, for the rest of your life. I think the, the more important thing is we hit that 150 minutes of MBPA a week for the health benefits. So there's... I don't think there's a science behind you must run once a week in order to get the most out of it. Alright, that's good to hear. Everyone everyone hearing this is going to rejoice. No more running. Okay, but we've had a really good discussion on like some of like the more important parts of well-being and health and like improving yourself and getting fitter. But something else I want to talk about that I feel like doesn't get enough attention is like sort of the toxicity that we sort of see on like TikTok and Instagram. And like I feel like with how much time people like especially teenagers spend on these apps right it can be really easy to get sucked into the vacuum of like toxic fitness like doing like unfavorable things like steroids or starving yourself that kind of thing so like well like what do you think needs to be changed about how teenagers use these apps or like do you think that authorities should step in more and try and control what's being shown the government's trying to do something about that again they try to ban certain social media platforms from posting things, I think. I, I didn't read the, the article in detail, but I didn't see the, the headline on it. Um, 
But also, I mean, that's, that's one thing that they can, again, it, it falls largely to ourselves to, to even try and control all these negativity or things that we surround ourselves with. And if you really want to cut yourself off from all this stuff, good or bad, um, then, you know, uninstall the apps. It's, it's very hard to do. Uh, some people cannot live without their phones, right? Not even for five minutes. Like, they go to the toilet and it goes in with them. Uh, but we need to recognize that social media has been both uh, a bane and a, and a boon. And uh, there are a lot of suggestions of how one should look and what one should do in order, in order to get to that look. Um, and again, we need to be more conscientious than ever, you know, what with all these fake news and scammers being out there, to be able to see from this barrage of, of information to and do our own fact-checking, our own research, to see what is authentic and what is suitable for ourselves. And again, need to realize that there is no one-size-fits-all program. Something that someone, a, a PT, a trainer, uh, programs, plans, and designs may work for this particular set of, of population uh, and the generation, but it may not work for you. So most, a lot of programs out there are designed for slivers of the population, and you need to figure out which sliver you are in, you know. And also another thing is, is really that we, we have to remember that everybody is different, and every body, body type, right, is different. This is another Nike phrase. And we need to be able to have this, this confidence in ourselves, but also the humility in, in learning and in asking. We, we don't know everything and we, we can't know everything. So it's important to check with the experts and, and see what works for you. So that can, might lead to experimentation with yourself. But please check with doctors before you try anything. Yeah, like, you mentioned how everybody is different, like, I feel a lot of people sort of, like, get disappointed when they go to the gym for, like, a few months, and they don't, they don't really see the results they were hoping for, because maybe they're not, like, optimizing their program perfectly, or maybe, like, their genetics just isn't capable of building muscle that quickly, like, and I feel like with Instagram, like, painting such a strong connection between, like, let's say masculinity and, like, like the amount of muscle you have and stuff, right, it's, like, hard to sort of maintain, like, a healthy mindset towards that, so, like, like, what's the best way of tackling this issue of, like, knowing the fact that your body may have certain limitations, but still pushing forward to, like, get stronger or get fitter anyway? Like, how do you maintain that balance, like, of not overdoing it and not, like, falling out of it completely either? I will admit that I also wanted to have a certain look about my, uh, my physique. So, I started working my arms more because I wanted to see the definition in my but also, I mean, after a while, I get tired just physically of, of doing uh, the, the upper body work, so, right? But I think we also need to uh, realize, once we realize that, okay, not everybody is going to be able to fit into a mold and look exactly like this person that we want to look like, then we need to start reading up a bit more. What is it exactly or that they, these people are doing? And how are they doing it in order to look like that? Very often it's not just... I mean, if the muscle, the bodybuilders, right, they have very little body fat. And in order to do that, they have a very, very strict diet. 
it's not just about how much they're working out, it's also about what they're putting into their bodies. Chicken, broccoli and rice. Okay. Not sure about that, better do your fact check. <laughs> important to figure out what is it that gives them those rippling muscles, is it really the workout routine or is it the whole package, you know, it's not just the physical but the, the mental and chest as well. Hmm. So on the note, I think like you would agree that it's important for people to really figure out their own goals first and then follow like do the research to find out how to approach it and well in all of this right the most important part is taking good care of their own mental health as well making sure that they're still living life you know like exercise is meant to be a part of our lives you know and to make some aspects of it better it's not meant to like consume us so like on that note we are nearing like the end of this conversation it's been a really insightful one I feel so like do you have any like words of wisdom or advice for anyone that's looking to get into fitness or you know just get better at doing a certain sport or anything really? I think the most basic thing is to, to really just start. And start doesn't mean put on your shoes and get out there and run. Start could mean you know, pulling out your computer and, and reading out more about what is it that you want to do first. Then maybe you want to put on your shoes and get out there and run. So important thing is really to, to make a start. I think that initial hurdles is always the Hmm. Alright, thank you so much for joining us today, Ms. Long. Like I really enjoyed having this conversation with you. And I'm sure like our listeners did as well, like listening to this. Uh on that note, I hope everyone listening to this has a great week ahead and take care. Bye bye.